Welcome to GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how they grew their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Grit Podcast. I'm excited about our episode today. So I've got a little story to tell you. We were at KW's family reunion. Geez, I guess it's been two or three weeks ago now. And uh, I had just left. Um, Thankfully, I got invited to speak a few times there. And I had just left that day. And Zach, who heads up our cells, was uh, in a breakout. And he took a picture of the screen and he said, you need to get each one of these individuals on your podcast. And one of them had already been on the podcast about, uh, I don't know, a year and a half ago. And, um, but, but the other three had not. So uh, today I'm here with Gaurav Gambir and he uh, was one of the, one of the celebrities on that stage in that meeting. So anyway, he uh, just, just, I'll give you, I'll give you a high level overview of some of the things he's done. He started with a small team of four agents. He now has a team of 60 agents. He also owns a KW Market Center. So you're now an OP is my understanding. And uh, he also has a large property management company and, and several other ancillary businesses. So for those of you in real estate, like this is, this is how you want to grow your business. Um, I would pay close attention because we're going to look, get a lot of great advice here today. Gaurav, is there any, anything else you would like to share uh, that, that I've left out here? Because I know that's a very quick summary on your uh, amazing career here of 20 plus years in the real estate industry. That was, that was a great introduction and I'm really humbled to have that as well. Thanks for having me on the show. And uh, I'll just add, I'm, a, I'm privileged to be a, 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 of an eight-year-old daughter and that's uh, my life that I thoroughly enjoy. So while with work comes uh, great work-life balance as well. Okay. So... I want you to add uh, to that. Maybe you could just tell us your story. I understand you're an immigrant. Tell us, how did you end up in the U.S.? And then how did you end up in real estate? Uh, I came to this country in 1997, uh, right after high school. Plan was to be the best computer programmer the world has ever seen. So I came to Drexel University in Philadelphia, and they have a great internship program. I wanted to do co-ops, make enough money, go back to uh, school, pay for the education. I, I didn't come here with enough money for me to have education. So I wanted to pay it while I was working. And uh, I graduated in 2001, December. I had a job lined up with Unisys to be a software engineer. It was right after 9-11. So all the software engineering jobs uh, were frozen. I got laid off before I started and uh, I had to find something to do uh, and picked up an opportunity in a company to be an IT professional. Uh, which was probably the lowest paying job at that time, uh, but happened to be a real estate company. So I learned, I coincidentally fell into real estate as an IT person in a company that did real estate and I picked it up from there. So when you say it was a real estate company, was it a brokerage? Who was it? Where did, where it was did you a, land? The, uh, They owned industrial warehouses and commercial shopping centers. Uh, okay. They were starting to, just trying to get to the residential world a little bit more. 
Uh, and I thought it would be great to make some extra money on the evenings and weekends. And uh, we were paying other brokers one month fee for leasing the units. And I was the one who was going and handling the construction and TI and uh, the leasing and uh, the keys. And I said, why, why can't I make some of this money? And my boss at that time said, because you don't have a license. I said, what if I got a license? He said, as long as you do it after hours. I said, sure, I can work on the weekends. He said, go for it. Said, Would you pay for my school? He said, sure. And I got my license and I started making some money on the side in the evenings and the weekends. Uh, and I bought my first place uh, using my license, saved a lot of money. And I thought, this is nice. you know. And then all my friends, I was, all of a sudden I became an expert with all my friends who were engineers and doctors uh, who graduated from college and they were IT professionals. And then I, was, I became the real estate professional expert for them. How old were you at this time? 23. I got married 23. very early in life. So I've been married wow. for 20 years now. Well, you know, if you still want to be the world's best software engineer, um, I, I would love to have you join us here at CISU. So uh, <laughs> just keep, keep that in mind. That, that's still open. Like, you know, you can, always, you can always go back to that if you choose. But I, uh, with, hopefully with, real estate is doing fine for me for now. If it changes, yeah. I'll let you know. I, I was going to say, with the career you've built, uh, I, I don't see that one happening anymore. So, so you started and you was this, so you started selling real estate for this group. And then how did you, like, how did you get into KW and then get into teams? And that was right around when Gary wrote the MREA book. So um, I'm guessing that had an influence on you as well. A little bit for sure. Uh, I was given, uh, so, so right after when I was uh, at, at, my, at my previous job working full time, my goal, I've, I've been very entrepreneurial. I come from a family of entrepreneurs. My, my dad, my uncle, my cousins have all owned businesses all their lives. So I had that entrepreneurial bug in me. And, and I've always been doing some odd businesses on the side, no matter where it is, since I've been um, probably 15 years old. At some point, I told myself, how do I build something for myself instead of building it for someone, somebody else? And, and then, uh, But I didn't have the funds. I didn't have the comfort level of leaving my job and becoming an entrepreneur. So I told myself the day I make 50% of my money by being a dual career person where I can have a full-time job and I can have a second career of selling real estate, but the minute I make 50% of my money selling real estate, I'm going to take a leap of faith in myself to have a comfort level for me to move on. I did that in 2007. I joined KW as my first brokerage company. And I remember at that time, I had about uh, three transactions under my belt and I wanted to open a property management company because it was very challenging to be, because I had a full-time position, lead generation technology didn't exist as much. It, is, it was an extremely strong contact sport where I had to be in front of people, which I didn't have the time to do it. And I had a hesitation of me having English as a second language to go in front of a large crowd and talk about real estate. So I could only talk to people that were close to me. So I said, well, if we can go face, up, face front, people are having a challenge pronouncing my name. Uh, I'm an immigrant. I don't know many people. How can I go and get the clientele? So I said, if I can go from the front, I'll go from the back. And the way to go from the back is if I manage their asset and I can maintain my relationship with them all year round, when the time comes in for them to buy another investment property or for them to sell this asset or rent this asset, I will be the natural person to get that opportunity. And, I'm, and I, since I had a computer science degree, I was very, very number oriented in my approach. So it's all about numbers for me. 
Uh, and, and I started my, I went to my broker at that time and I said, I think we don't have a property management. Here's a concept. You have a lot of agents. Let's talk about how to build a property management company. Uh, and he asked me a simple question. I said, how many transactions have you done? He said, three sales and two rentals. And he said, you want to start a property management company? I said, yeah. And he said, that makes no sense. Why don't you get more experience? Rightfully so. If I was him, I would probably say the same thing. But I was just nuts at that time. And I want to do something right away. I was very aggressive. So I approached a friend of mine who's an appraiser. And I said, uh, we're going to start a new brokerage company. And we're going to start a property management division along with it. I convinced him. He believed in me. We started it. Uh, and I formed a company called Mega Realty. Uh, we grew that company to about 70 agents in about 18 months. And uh, uh, I had the opportunity two years later to buy a company called The Condo Shop in the city of Philadelphia, which I did. Sold my first company and became a partner here. And then my journey began to continue being, growing my organization from about four agents in Condo Shop. Uh, we built Rentfilly as another division for rentals. We built Black Label Luxury. And now in the, in the group of three divisions that we run, we have about 60 people in the country. So I, I love this story. You're, you're an immigrant into the U.S. Where are you from originally? India. From India. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which India is known for having great technology, right? So you come to the U.S. and people can't pronounce your name. And what I love is the grit. And that's why this podcast is called Grit. Because when you decide, like you decided already you were going to make this happen. You were going to be successful no matter what. It didn't matter who told you no. It didn't matter how many times you got told this was impossible. You were going to, you were going to make it happen. And I love this story because I think anybody has that opportunity if they just have the same commitment to it that you had. And so, so anyway, it's a very unique approach. The fact that you immediately started a property management company. And I mean, I'm, I'm guessing there are so many team owners out there today. My wife is a team owner. I wish we had a property management company, but we don't. So um, like, tell us more about that. And why would, why would I, or not, not me, but why would I as a team owner want to get into property management? Uh, you know, one thing I'll add, uh, uh, Brian, as well, that I think everybody has that grit inside them. Everybody has. We, people fear themselves of succeeding because of the unknown factor. We think there's a competition outside uh, with other people and other team members. It's not the outside competition you have to worry about. It's the inside competition we have to really take care of. We are competing with ourselves internally that tells us, you know, we use the word drunk monkey or, you know, your 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 own big why, you know, that is all part of the competition that you have internally with yourself. And uh, early on in life, I told myself, what's the worst that can happen? Uh, Since I had an immigrant background, I came in with nothing. I said, that's the worst that can happen is I will end up with nothing. And I started with nothing. It is recent. Uh, Let's let's give it a shot. So I, I think everyone should dig deeper and give yourself a push. I think we all have it internally. People who take the risk ends up with the benefit and they end up being talking about it. And the others are, are trying to get that motivation to give them the push to happen. So hopefully this gives them the push that if I can do it, who has English as a second language, and I think in Hindi and I translate in English, uh, if I can do it in this land of opportunities, uh, you can too. Uh, I, so I going love, to your next I question. Lo- I love that you shared that because it's, 
you're like, you're not competing against anybody else. And it's true. You are competing against yourself. And it's that self-talk. And you talked, you talked about the why you have to have a big why to get over that self-talk inside of us that that's going on saying, you know, you can't do this, right? It's a mindset that out of your head, out of your way. It's the only thing stopping us is us, right? The only thing stopping me is me. And if I can get myself out of the way, the opportunity is there to do whatever I want. hundred percent. So, so true. And well said. Uh, you asked me a question of why should we start a property management company? Yeah, uh, I, I think we are we are still in this age of technology in a very relationship based contact sport of real estate. Uh, what happens? Uh, people are you know today with the money being cheap uh, for for financing, creative financing opportunities for investments. Uh, a lot of talk around the Burr model, wealth building. Uh, people are now getting exposed to the opportunity of understanding the tax benefits of. What can an asset do for you long term in helping you build passive income and wealth? I think I think that uh, is, a, is is a very helpful thing for a lot of people to do that. And that being said, in the last two or three years, a lot of wealth has been accumulated by the upper tier uh, who was in these sectors of making a lot more money and opportunities uh, during the COVID market. We saved a lot of money because we weren't really traveling or spending a lot of money with the fear of what the unforeseen future may bring to us. So that created this savings that people are now investing in real estate. If people are doing that, we need to be at the forefront of being able to capture that relationship. And how do you stay in touch with them outside of the buying cycle? It's when they're holding the asset. So if you stay in touch with them and help them manage the asset that they have spent their lifelong savings in, I think that creates a relationship for long-term other opportunities that may bring to the table as well. So I took, the, I took the approach of going from the back end to get the business. But now the business can be from the forefront. If you have property management, you have investors in your group, you have potential renters that are coming in. The renters can be first-time buyers. Property management gives you passive income on a monthly basis as a cash register. You can create systems and processes, use technology much better than before. Uh, unfortunately, it's such a heavy, compliant, and labor-intensive opportunity that many people don't get into it or they can't really make money for a larger, till they get to a larger portfolio. And I think the number is somewhere around 800 to up to a thousand units. Unless you get there as a pure individual large business, that was my goal. But even at five units, you can make the same amount of money if that's your goal to do it. But you don't have to do it yourself. You could team up with a property management company that offers the backend support and you can be the face to the relationship as well. So if you look at property management in a different angle, you don't have to start a company for every single thing that you want to do. You can align yourself with the right people who are doing it and, and hire their services for the back end and be the face to the company. I think it's, it's imperative. Everyone needs to be part of this relationship building for lead generation and for future business. So... Mm. If I look at the the industry as a whole, most most team owners, they definitely have either started or have their eye on starting a mortgage and a title company. Many of those are happening through a JV. You're saying in the case of this property management, you recommend the same thing. Go find a JV partner so you don't have to do all the heavy lifting. You can be the face, front end. You can drive, you know, revenue to the business and let somebody actually manage it for you. hundred percent. And I have a lot of friends in the KW industry that 
we are discussing right now how my company as TCS management, part of TCS group, can create that opportunity of a solution in a box where a partner of ours can be the foot on the ground who's creating the relationship, getting the uh, investors, and they can place them in a joint venture that we can create. Uh, let us handle all the back end of compliance, accounting, follow-ups, utilities, lease preparation, anything that is admin, we can handle in the back end. And the face and the foot, uh, the boots on the ground can be that partner, uh, which is, you know, most people who are in the sales business enjoy that part. Okay, so, that so, is- so if I'm if if I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying that you guys are actually building this national joint venture company. So no matter where you are, if you're listening to this podcast and you want to start this property management company, somebody should reach out to you, and you you would joint venture with them. Is that is we, that correct? We would, would love to have the conversation because okay. I think we have figured out in the last ten years we have made more mistakes than we hope other people have to make to get to the point where we are uh, and we can provide that solution in the box for them. Well, good. I'm going to have, I'm going to have spring give you a call. Okay. So that's, that's great to know. So you have this group, you just mentioned TCS group. What else do you guys do there? That's a holding company that has a bunch of different businesses in it. It sounds like, tell us more about that. Uh, so our first company was The Condo Shop, and, uh, and TCS came from the most creative way. The Condo Shop became TCS, uh, and, and, and that was our world. T- the Condo Shop was our world. We grew out of the condominium world by providing a lot more rentals in the city of Philadelphia. We, we are a vertical uh, city and a lot of high-rises. Uh, we got in the rental market. We uh, exclusively represent close to about 18,000 units, and we do over 1,000 leases a year. Uh, so Rent Philly came by to offer the solution to rentals in the city. Uh, then we got into a, into a luxury market. So Black Label was our luxury trademark in the country to be able to offer those services. Uh, I ended up buying a market center, which is a, which is a brokerage company of Keller Williams as a franchise. And that helped us expand into a new title company, an insurance company, a transaction management company, a media company. Uh, we had the property management company. Uh, we formed a, we started a fund to help our investors buy assets. So TCS Anika Homes came about. Our, our multifamily and condominium management company came about called Madison Park. Uh, and then we just started growing more and more into, you know, but interestingly, every company came by because of a, of a need than a want. And we were creating it with a unique product, not knowing how the future would look like. So at one point we looked back and said, people don't understand that all these are part of one umbrella. So TCS Group is our answer that we want to continue now providing these solutions that we have created. How can we put everything and as many things as possible in a box and go in and try to implement that in other cities ourselves or with other partners to find a solution for both of us at the same time? So TCS Group is uh, is is the new company that umbrella company that we are uh, announcing very soon. Uh, and, and most of our marketing is going to happen under that brand. Okay. So a lot of people, when they start thinking about building all these businesses, like you're a true entrepreneur, like you said, your family, your family has that instilled in you. So a lot of people, when they think about doing that, they always think they have to do it themselves. My guess is you have somebody running each of these businesses. I don't have a single company where I don't have at least one partner. Yes. Okay. And that partner in that company is probably, that's 100% of their focus? 
majority of the times. Each person has taken their one thing and dedicated to that company. As I realized my one thing couldn't be any one of them, uh, I, I found a person that could make their one thing in that company. Yeah. I mean, you're the rainmaker, right? That's the beautiful thing about real estate. Somebody in real estate, if how many transactions are you guys doing on your 60 agent team right now? We did 1,544 transactions and 365 million last year. I'm sorry, 1,500, you said? 1,500 transactions and 365 million in the- Okay, 365 million in volume. So 1,500 transactions, that's a lot of transactions. So Mm -hmm. think about if you have 1,500 transactions, first of all, congratulations. Like that's, that's a huge feat in its own. Right. And now you've said, Hey, I've got 1500 transactions. I can do a lot more than just make money from real estate. I can put all these other businesses together and provide for these guys. And not only do you make more money, but you actually control their experience, which I mean, that's what, that's really the end game, right? Controlling the experience all the way through. Uh, it's the same thing with the Apple model. You know, a long time ago, Apple decided that nobody could sell their product as well as Apple could. So they opened the retail retail shops and then said, you know, nobody can provide the experience. So we're going to have uh, the, our, our own employees provide the support and service. I think that's what really defined what Apple is. You know, if I, if I'm on my first Apple, when I broke the phone by dropping it, I took it to the Apple store and they said, no questions asked, we'll replace the screen for you. Like I became a customer for life. Because that is you, you and me both. <laughs> yeah. so, so we started thinking, you know, how do we provide in real estate a one-stop shop and an experience for everybody? So you know, every time uh, we were sending a client to a to a title company and they would say something indifferent about the title company, we said, well, we can do this ourselves and provide a better service. And then also in one transaction, there are many ways of of making a financial benefit that you can divide uh, uh, smaller portions, but you can make equal or more money by having the whole bandwidth of the process from start to end. And that's where we started plugging in. And even in our, in our property management company, uh, the first time we uh, sat down about five, four years ago and said, how much money do we pay for painting for all the units that we manage to the outside company? And we came up with a number, I think like 600,000 or something. And said, even if you made 15% profit by managing the people or hiring somebody in house and controlling the experience where you can send someone to do touch-ups for free, provide people to show up back up again. It's a hundred thousand dollar business. Well, then we said, how much for plumbers and how much for electricians and how and you start going through the process and say, it's not just about property management. There's a repair and maintenance portion of it. So SNA renovations came into existence. So you can look at your whole portfolio today and say, where can I add value? Where can I add a better experience? That'll automatically create opportunities for you. If you've been enjoying Grit, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to Grit. I think that's why you've been so successful because you're focused, obviously the money is important to you, but you're focused on providing a better experience to your clients. And if, if that's your focus, it's going to drive you to come up with better solutions. Whereas if your focus is just the money, you're not doing it for the right reason. You're probably not going to provide the same experience for your clients. And I, and I hope so that, you know, that, that stays with our team as well. 
uh, you know, that the focus needs to stay and that's part of community and culture that you want to build and the vision you want to give to your team members. This is what we want to achieve. Money and success will come as a byproduct. You know, yeah. someone asked me a long time ago, you know, are you doing this for money? And for a second, you know, just like going back five or 10 years, and I said, yes, I am doing this for money as well. And I said, but am I doing this only for money? Right. Well, the answer is no, I am not. Uh, and I said, well, what are you working for? And at that point, I said, I don't know. I like doing it. Yeah. And I said, but, but why do you like doing it? It took me a while to figure it out. And I heard someone say this on, on, on some podcast or, or a book I read. I forget where it was. What does a serial entrepreneur mean? And, and, and the answer to that that, I, that I, I thought to myself was, a serial entrepreneur is someone who looks at a problem and tries to make it, make it better. And once you try to make it a little bit better, you try to make it even more better. And then once you get to that point, then you try to make it optimize even further out. And then through the whole process, you find another problem and you try to solve that problem. So your brain always works on how do I make everything better? Mm-hmm. But you know, in, in, in real life, sometimes there's a challenge between a thin line between being annoying and, and your team members and you're trying to make everything better. And you have, to, you have to have a good balance where not everything needs to be better, but every opportunity has a potential of getting better. So uh, that's what I think an serial entrepreneur is. And, and I take enjoyment in it. That's my fun part. Yeah. So something that some everyone here can relate to, can you give me just like a high level overview of your real estate team, just the team and what your structure looks like? Like who are the people on that team? Because so many people in your shoes, they think they have to do everything. And I'm trying to get this like somebody like you, you have it figured out of how to build and scale businesses. So I'd love for you to just start with the real estate team and tell us about your structure, your organization, and who are the who's in your business that means so much to, to the success. Uh, absolutely. And that, that has been a struggle and a, and a mission and a goal for myself that I don't want to have a job title. Uh, and I think I'm almost there at this point. Uh, I don't have to be in one place for any one reason where I need to perform a job duty today. And, and, I take, and I'm very grateful for that opportunity. So I'll talk about my real estate team. My real estate team is divided into three divisions. It's a condo. Uh, I have a partner there and we have one transaction manager with, with one virtual assistant who's helping them. We have one marketing director, one marketing specialist, and a VA supporting them. We have one ISA. Uh, we have one marketing transaction uh, and then just a director of operations. So operations. Pretty tight ship. And, and then we have two people who provide, who are a sales, uh, who are a mentorship program, a lead sales and a lead buyer, a uh, selling agent, a lead buyer's agent. So that's a tight, close group for the condo shop. Uh, rental, one virtual assistant who helps process all the paperwork on the back end and a director of operations. Our luxury division, two partners who are the rainmakers and supporting the team and one marketing specialist and an assistant. All together, maybe about nine, 10, people, 10 employees at this point. Uh, and we're trying to bring in more virtual assistants and trying to automate as much as we can. Yeah, so I love that you brought up automation. Automation is something I'm very passionate about. Tell us, when you say we're, we love to automate as much as we can, what does that mean? I'll give you an example. Uh, so we, you, know, you start a, a company, a great company, because you found a need where you could plug in and provide a solution. And you saw that it can be used at, at a larger scale. In our world, I'll take rental as an example. We have 
at any given time, close to about 500 active listings on the rentals. An agent is trying to schedule them. That scheduling appointment has to now go through showing time to the building management. Their leasing team looks at it. They may or may not be able to accommodate that showing request. If there's a change, they'll send it back and cancel it. And that information has to be sent back to the other agent. And the whole coordination has to happen in between. That is a very large, extensive portion of our business for rentals. I think most probably that's the reason why many people say, it's not worth my time doing the same time. So we took all those things. We hired a company, created a proprietary software, uh, and our our director of operations and our partner in the rental division was spearheading it. And at this point, from the time someone makes a request, everything in between, till the point it goes back to the original agent with any changes or time changes or cancellation, or if a unit is available or not available, everything happens through through a bot and it's automated. Nobody touches it. That has freed up a huge, huge portion of, we probably needed three full-time people just to schedule it. That was a huge savings and faster. So that's saved you three, three people in your organization can now focus on other things because they're not having to do that. Is that, is that properly stated? Very, very fair. And the experience got much better from the agent who was requesting it, who I used to get phone calls on all the time. Gaurav, it is impossible and painful to show one of your listings because the minute I've asked for a change, it has to go through five different people, five different processes. Somebody's calling me, somebody's texting me, and now they love showing up for our listings. Yeah, such a great example. I was in a meeting at Family Reunion. It was an offsite put on by Leverage, um, which is a ops coaching company. And Seth Campbell, I don't, do you know him? So Mm -hmm. Seth came in and he was the keynote and he was talking about, and I'm only bringing this up because you're talking about automations, but I I love the way he said, he basically said, any place that you have to enter something in more than one place. So any place there's duplicate entry, you can create an automation that would solve that, which each time you do that, you know, you're saving Mm -hmm tens of hours, 20s, you know, 20, however many hours a month, right? I mean, could be hundreds of hours, just just depending. So, or he also said, anytime you're having to put something into a spreadsheet, like, can you eliminate that spreadsheet? And so I love the way he said it, because obviously that's a big focus of ours at CISU is eliminating all these duplicate entries and all these spreadsheets. And, and uh, just the way he said it, though, was, it was just like, wow. Yeah. If you just look at it that simple, like what would this one automation be? If I list out all these areas, just an example I like to use is if you could just automate that email, congratulations, we're under contract that goes out to seven different people. How much time does that save your TC? Uh, Our transaction manager has a folio and that came in because the same reason you draft a script that you sent for every transaction and you just use that and, and then you start seeing, you know, first you, first you create the draft so you can use it again and again. It's like a template. Yep. Then yep. you say, well, how can I save more time for that person not to even go and create? So you can create automation where if you enter in one spot, here's a new transaction, it can trigger different responses and, act and tasks automatically. And the emails and the follow-ups, which are pretty generic, that can just go out automatically a certain shading of the task. 
and and, and I think we're we're finding fun in doing it, uh, yeah. and it also saves us to uh, in, and avoids us to adding more resources every single time you add another four hundred transactions. Because I get this question asked a lot. Well, if it's fifteen hundred transactions, how many people do you have? Because the mindset works is large transactions, large support. Not necessarily true. Yeah. And the, the fun part is how do you do more with less? Yes, uh, we we share we share in that. So you found ways to do it like Folio, Sisu. Just so you guys know, like this is what we do. Where your intake forms and any key date you put in there can fire an automation, which fires a Trello like task list and automated emails and all that kind of stuff. And like, figure a way to do that, right? Sisu is one way you could do that. Figure out no matter what you do, if it's not Sisu, figure out a way to do that because it's going to change your business. Like you can't scale. I had a team owner come up to me in mid-year last year and he was doing 150 transactions the year before. He got to 500 last year, mid-year. And he said, Brian, I can't scale. Like, I, I can't do this. Like, you need to help me figure out how to how to get to 800 or 1,000 transactions with my existing team. And we were able to do that. But it, like you said, it's fun to, to figure out how to not hire people to scale, but to build systems to scale and automations. And, and I think that's why when I grabbed this, our whole team is working right now to understand you know, how we can use this value from Sisu uh, and we, you know we're we not act, we're not active users of CISU yet, but I think more and more we read about it and we understand it and talking to a lot more people about it. Uh, our whole team is super excited because we were very limited in our approach to sending an automated email, but when you can add some AI and task going to task to it, your whole process and checklist changes. Yes, and and that is a whole different level of automation and growth that we can have. So thank you for. Uh, you know, for, for spending your time and your team's time in, in building some amazing opportunities and software that and solutions. Uh, so, you know, we, we are excited to approach to uh, pro, to uh, yeah. look at this and see how we can help grow our business. I, I didn't even know you were looking at it, but I'm excited to hear that. And <laughs> just know you can reach out to me personally anytime. Um, so as you guys go through that. So tell us about your model. You've mentioned ISA and I wanted to talk about ISAs because... Two years ago, everybody in this industry, I mean, I, I speak, you know, we have thousands of teams on our platform now. So, and I, I spent a lot of time with our team leaders and I've had several of them on my podcast or we've had events where I've interviewed them. And, you know, everyone was talking a couple of years ago about, hey, I'm trying to figure out this ISA thing or I'm going to figure out this ISA thing. I'm go, you know, what, what's their big change that they were going to do last year? They were going to hire an ISA or maybe more. And so now everybody's kind of in that world. Almost everybody has an ISA now. And now it's figuring out, okay, how can I get that ISA to make it to where I'm closing 10, another, an additional 10 transactions, an additional 20 transactions a month. And now I'm going to expand that up to three or four ISAs. And, you know, I'm going to get it to where I'm doing another 50 transactions a month, what, whatever that is. And so I'd love to hear from you, like, because you, you're like this creator of all these businesses. I'd love to hear from you, your perspective of the importance, number one, of building an ISA. And then I'd love to hear your experience of where you guys are at in that journey. So we, we are part of the same bandwagon of trying to figure out uh, we are the we are the new kid on the block for the ISA opportunity. I think we got into a little bit late, 
but let it be late, better be late than never. And the I, and the concept was something that I think we, we were, you know, many times you try to dodge a solution because you are in denial that it will actually exist. And purely because it takes a lot of work in building a new process or a company. So ISA is a complete new process that goes into your sales and changes everything or forces you to change everything. And, and you want to give a pushback and try to avoid it till everybody else is on it. And it's like, oh my God, maybe I'm missing out or something. So I think we were somewhere similar to that situation. Uh, and, and the benefit that I see is, uh, take, take Zillow for as an example. Uh, Zillow had the maximum number of eyes on their website. This, they created the maximum number of lead generation in a year, sent it out to people or agents who were either buying it or just getting it. And Zillow did not have any way or understanding of who those clients were because 95, correctly, over 95% of the people did not register on Zillow. They just clicked and they were being sent forward to somebody else. So they had eyes, but no control. And there was no experience besides, I'm going to let you search and send up. Then they realized, well, agents may or may not be providing the same level of service or closing or converting the leads. And how do we know which ones are helping convert the leads? Then they added an ISC department in between. And once they started doing that, they realized it's so much more valuable. Then we can just hire a local salesperson in every market that became a brokerage company. And then they realized, well, if I can give it to those people or other agents in the industry, I can create Google Flex and charge a 35% referral fee, give or take, uh, depending on the market. So that was an evolution of how Zillow came by. And you, and as a team, you start looking at it, it's like, well, well, that makes sense. Because when I give a lead to my agents in the company, if we are not using a CRM that forces the agent to use a CRM, and that's a challenge sometimes, because people in your team may give you pushback not to use it. We don't know what they said. We don't know when they're meeting. Uh, all those things is very at a local level of the agent who's in our team. And if the agent is not performing the job at the highest level, or if the agent ends up leaving or moving on or decides not to be in business, we were only as good as that agent. But you, you cannot provide an Apple service or an Apple model if you are the very local individual agent based or performance based. You have to bring it back to a place where everyone is forced to use it and understand it. But how do you do that? Instead of teaching 60 people to spend time on non-income producing activities, where you can maximize their results and our results, you bring that back in-house where one person is a point of contact. The, the, everything flows through that bottle and you're not the bottleneck. That's why you have more ISS through that, through that bottle hole where you understand what's happening. You can hold your agents accountable. And then if they drop the ball, you can pick up where they left off. So you're not at the mercy of the agent or the team member for their expertise. You are building your own process what the team and company does. So it, I think it's pretty simple and easy to follow. It's easily scalable. You can add multiple people by adding more lead sources as well and uh, uh, helps agents make more money. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. Are you, are you a Zillow Flex team? Uh, we, are. we are. Okay. Okay. I figured you were based on your description of Zillow. So you've been in real estate for a long time now. You obviously have a great business mind. I'd love to hear, and we only have a few minutes here, but I'd love to hear where you see the real estate industry going. And as a, as a business owner in real estate, what are the things you should be focused on right now so that you can stay ahead of the curve and stay in the game? Because it's changing, right? 
it has already changed from the time when I started, and I'm sure it's going to continue changing as well. Uh, I, I think it's going to, and, and I'm privileged, and, I, and I'm not making a plug-in for, uh, for KW, but I'm privileged to be a member of the top 100 teams in the country in Gary Keller's mastermind. So he's, he's uh, someone that I look up to uh, for his vision and for his education and training on the mindset that he helps us get better and pushes the limit. So I, and, I, and I see and I hear the top 100, 200 teams in the country, how they're thinking, what they're working on. And the answer is coming out again and again to be the same. It is agents are still going to be needed. A lot of stuff is going to be used by technology. Clients are going to use us for our fiduciary duty primarily for what uh, is needed to help them do the transaction, not open doors. So we have to start getting out of the mindset of, it's not showing the property that's valuable. That is one of my smallest jobs. Uh, what, what I need to focus on is the other value proposition. Can I help them find a painter? Can I help them move into the place better? Can I have the Comcast taken care of when they're moving in? How about a dog walker? Do they like the three restaurants they're moving in? Can I help them figure out the, the, the local monthly pass for, for the train transportation? Anything else that goes along, title, insurance, home inspection, home warranty, I need to focus on the whole experience. And if I can manage that, nobody can beat that. No technology can take that away from my, from my personal interaction with, with, the, with the individual. And that's your client for life. So I think every agent in my, in my mind should start focusing on that. Every team leader needs to start focusing on how they can provide that value to your team so that they can succeed at the highest level. And if you're able to offer every, all of those things, you don't really have to suppress your commission. Yeah. You can add value and charge the same or charge more. If you don't, the client is going to push down on you to pay you less because you're not providing the same value anymore. Uh, Gaurav, it's, uh, it's so funny. Like everything you say, it's totally in line with, with my vision here. So I would recommend that everybody rewind this and listen to that last 60 seconds again because that is your differentiator now. And just a little, you know, this is definitely not a Sisu show, but um, Sisu is actually rolling out a client portal right now to empower you to do all of those things and have the Domino's Pizza Tracker app type thing where you can communicate with your clients on where they're at in that journey of getting to closed. So anyway, th thank you for sharing that. There, there are a lot of ways to get there and, you know, we're just here focused on empowering teams to really dominate the future of this industry. Because my belief is teams are the future of the industry. The brokerage, traditional brokerage will be a team in the future. Um, 100%. Uh, our market center is taking the same approach. Yeah. Our productivity coaching team in our market center at this point is the sixth largest group in the market center. Yes. Just another example. I also believe that you know, you have those solo agents that are like Mike Ferry agents that know how to produce leads. I think they're going to be okay for a while, although it's, they're going to have a hard time competing at the service level when you have people like you doing all these uh, ancillary things that, that they're never going to be able to do that. But a brand new agent coming into the industry, in my opinion, even today, will not survive if they're not on a team because it, there's just so much value that that is that is coming from people like you just taking the the experience for the consumer for the client to a whole new level so anyway 
if I may add one last thing, Brian, I know yes. we're short on time. Don't look at teams as someone who takes things away from you. Look as a team as a platform where you can build your own brand on. Nobody wants to build the iOS and build another Apple. They can sell apps on the Apple platform or the iOS platform or the Android platform and be very, very successful. You don't have to think of this as a team take something away from you. I can get to, I can be, if an agent joins our team, we tell them the first pitch you make is I am the, I'm a member of the ninth largest Keller Williams team in the country. We do over 1500 transactions with $365 million worth of volume. I bring a lot of experience behind me and here's nine people that can service me and my clients. And this is what I bring to the table on my first listing presentation. You cannot have that as an individual agent. It's not a bad idea to do it if you wanted to, but don't look at this as someone who's going to take something away. It's what you bring to the table. People look at the percentage or the, or the commission structure. It's the opportunity lost that you don't count on because if there are three more transactions, you could have one, which you didn't get. That changes everything. Percentage means nothing. Income means everything. So look at the income you can make by joining a team. Don't look at the percentage split because that doesn't matter. It's about, you can, you can be a brand new agent and come in and join a team and make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And that's incredible. Absolutely. So, that's why my favorite book, one of my favorite books is Profit First. Uh, that, that's yeah. a great book. And it's changed my perspective on how I look at things. It's not the ego and the volume. It's the profit that you make at the end of the year on your team. If you're not, what does the volume do for you? Nothing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well said. Gorb, it's been great getting to know you today. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Uh, if I didn't have another commitment in one minute, I would actually go deeper with you because this is a lot of fun. But thank you so much. Looking, Really looking forward to getting to know you and spending more time with you. So thanks for joining us on the show today. And uh, I'm like, uh, we'll stay in touch, okay? My pleasure. And my way to get in contact with me will be Gaurav, G-A-U-R-A-V at thecontoshops.com. Thanks for having okay, me. Today. So again, you guys reach out. Uh, he's got a lot of ancillary businesses. Feel free to reach out and partner. Um, that may be your solution to uh, jumping into the, the the different businesses, many different businesses that, that Gaurav has, has built. So thanks again, Gaurav. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks a lot. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven-day trial of Sisu, go to sisu.co, S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your setup fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT, the real estate growth mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.